This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Blessed are the pure in heart because they will see God. And our key verse today, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. Today's message is called Jesus is a Peacemaker. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we need so much peace, so we need so much of you. And we just ask that as we lift up your characteristics today, we, we understand, we realize that you called us to be peacemakers, but you did that not just through words, but by demonstrating uh, that you were a peacemaker. And now the way you rule and reign your kingdom, uh, you, you are bringing peace to this world. Praise your name for that. So on this special Sunday, we pray, God, that your, your characteristics would emerge and we would see you more clearly in ways we never have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. So our key scripture today, as we already read, we can see it on the screen, is verse nine. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. A more traditional translation, the ESV, says it this way. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. There's something special about a son. And of course, we celebrate and we proclaim the triune God. We know that Jesus is God, but he often functions. There's three ways in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three separate entities that are one. It's a holy mystery, is it not? It's important, the Trinity. But we know this is that Jesus operates in Son, and there is that dynamic between a son and a father. And a son just has some rights, I've been in several situations, and you have too, where there's been a man or a woman in a place of power, and his or her employees cannot get through uh, to that individual in power. I mean, this is common, right? I mean, powerful men, often it's hard to get new ideas to, or it's hard for them to understand what's happening. Uh, That's a temptation all of us have as we get power. So one of the strategies that I have seen work when you cannot get through to that business owner or cannot get through to that CEO or that president or that pastor or whoever it is, if that leader is not listening to everybody, often you can try to go through the sun because the sun has a way of bringing things up to the father that the employee or the constituent can't do themselves. You see, there's something about the son. The son has a relationship with the father where there's, when it's working properly, there's not the fear because they're still gonna be related. I mean, there may be a loss of job or income or position temporarily, but a son is always a son. And so when you can't get through to the boss, Try to go through the sun. Let the sun bring up the problem. Let the sun tell the boss what's going on. Let the sun make the peace. Now, no analogy is ever perfect when you're talking about God, but here's the first thing, the first blanks I want you to put in today is we talk about Jesus, the peacemaker. Jesus gives peace between man and God. 
And I cannot overstate this because Jesus is the pathway to peace. When we talk about Jesus being a peacemaker, it all starts with our relationship with God. And, and we need to be reminded of truths that we take for granted, that we were enemies with God. Uh, the wrath of God uh, was deserved until Jesus came and became that peacemaker. Romans 5.1, look at the depth of these words. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to peace. When we talk about Jesus being the peacemaker, he's the one that we're going through. That's why every other pathway to peace eventually will lead to a dead end. A lot of times we think we find peace through different things. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, I'm gonna just take the next four weekends off and go fishing because that's when I find my peace. And it is, it is peaceful to go fishing, I remember I did it about 25 years ago. It's been a while, but that's, that's something that I need. I realized my, I got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old child, two boys. I have a daughter too. I forget to tell you all that sometimes. But my two boys have never been fishing. How in the world am I living in Tennessee and that hasn't happened? Uh, but uh, fishing is something that is relaxing. So you can say, I'm gonna take the next four weekends to go fishing. And for the next four weekends, it may be peaceful, but eventually you're gonna hit a dead end. Because without Jesus, peace is incomplete. It's just temporary. You can say, I'm gonna find peace through yoga or I'm gonna find peace through um, solitude or I'm gonna find peace through going shopping if you find peace that way at all. Whatever it is, whatever your avenue is, you're gonna find peace temporarily but there's eventually gonna be a dead end because Romans 5.1 reminds us this is that peace is found through Jesus Christ. And so any other peace besides that can be very, very incomplete. One of my earliest memories was uh, when I went shopping with my family and we were at the mall back when people actually went to the mall. That was the thing to do, right? Do you guys go to the mall anymore? Does anyone go to the mall? It's really strange. I never would have predicted that the mall would have lost favor with Americans. But it used to be every Friday night, junior high kids would walk around the mall and before that, uh, families would go to the mall. So I went to the mall with my family and I was bribed I was bribed to behave well. And they would park at J.C. Penney's. My mom would park at J.C. Penney's and we would leave. And the very last thing we, I would get to do is pick out a toy. Now my mom will be in the second service and so it's really funny how all of these stories now, we remember them differently, but, but I, can, I have free reign this service because she ain't here. So. so we went, we picked out, the, I'd get to pick out like a action figure, you know, Star Wars or G.I. Joe or something like that. And I tried to manipulate the system. I remember this. My brother and sister were there. They thought I was spoiled anyway. So I'm trying to manipulate the system and I eliminated it to two toys. And I just was not gonna budge. I'm like, these two toys, I want them both. And I thought, I'm charming enough. I'm gonna manipulate the system. I've been extra good and I just would not make a decision. So mom tried to, you know, really, really put the law down. You've got to pick one and you got two more minutes. You've got 30 seconds. I mean it. If you don't pick one, you're not getting nothing. But I was stubborn, you know, and I just held on to both toys. I wasn't gonna let these toys go. And so I lost out. I lost out. I mean, I lost toys. Toys went on the shelf and, Regret hit me as we left the J.C. Penney's. I mean, sorrow came over me. And I remember we had this uh, brown Valori, uh, Plymouth Valori station wagon. 
And here was a great thing about the 80s is that in the station wagon, there was no seat belt. So you had the whole back seat to yourself. I mean, I could crawl, roll, nap, play with toys. So I'd jump in the back of that station wagon all by myself. And I just remember just sobbing. I mean, it was like, I mean, the deepest grief possible. I was hitting on the, hitting on the station wagon. I was sobbing. I was like, I'm so mad at myself. I can't believe it. My brother said, shut up, shut up. You know, and I'm, I'm just, ah, I'm crying, I'm hitting. And, I, you know, and that deep regret came. It was one of the first times I really remembered uh, having that sense of regret. Now, the end of the story is, after I cried a long time, mom circled back around and I got the toy. But <laughs> that's not the moral of the story. And I didn't tell that story on family Sunday either when the elementary kids were with us. But th- this is what I remember. I remember that genuine, back in, the, in the, the back end of the station wagon with no seat belt, a free range child back there. I remember that grief just hitting me. And in that particular instance, I was not being manipulative. I genuinely was mad at myself. It was like this regret. Like I couldn't believe that I let this opportunity. I couldn't believe I was so stubborn. I couldn't believe that I I did not negotiate. I could not believe that I had let that opportunity pass. And that's a simple and safe story for me to tell. But you know that that emotion as a small child is little compared to the huge regrets we have in life. When the gravity of our stupidity hits us, and listen, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes, or more than just mistakes, we've all willfully sinned and willfully rebelled against God. And when that regret comes, I think that's the hardest, the hardest emotion to reconcile Sometimes it's much easier to forgive others than it is to forgive ourselves because uh, we put this blame upon ourselves because we control our destiny. When someone else violates us, it's kind of on them still. But when we mess up, man, that regret is just weighing on us. So here's the second observation about Jesus, the peacemaker. He He not only brings peace between us and God. Jesus gives peace between man and himself. Write that in the blank. Jesus brings peace between man and himself. And and this is my prayer for some of you guys. Listen, it's time to lay down some of the regret. Okay, it's time to lay it down and you might as well start today. It may take a while for some of your emotions to catch up with that decision. But you need to set your will and say, I am going to quit beating myself up. I'm going to quit living in the land of regret. Because we know this, it's the consequences of bad decisions. They pay us enough. I mean, really, the consequences of a bad decision stick with us in this life. But praise God, they don't stick with us for eternity. And God even redeems many of those consequences. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. So get right with God. God's gonna take that mistake. He's gonna make something good out of it. That's what he does. And so today, listen, some of us need to change our will and submit it back to the will of God. Say, I'm not gonna beat myself up anymore. I'm not gonna live in regret. I'm gonna move forward in Jesus. Later on today, when the table of the Lord is open to you, some of you 
have not been going, and, and there's various reasons why you may not go today, and I don't want you to feel obligated, but th- I believe there's some in here who have not felt worthy to come to the table. And I just want you to know this, I am never worthy to go to the table, and none of you are without the grace of Jesus. With a repentant spirit, with a desire to please him, with a desire to change the things that don't please him. We can go to the table of the Lord. We can lift our hands and worship. We can celebrate the word of God, not because of our power, not because of our will, not because of our ability, but because Jesus has made us worthy. Jesus, the one who was qualified, the one who was holy and righteous and set apart, he's the one who's done it for us. And that gives us great confidence before the throne of God. God wants us to be confident people, to step into the throne of God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he's done for us. Satan is the accuser of the brothers and sisters, accuser of the brethren. He wants to keep accusing you, accusing you, keep reminding you of what you've done and those things God has forgotten, they don't have to plague you anymore. If you have repented and if God has cleansed you, then in your spirit, man, move forward. Move forward to the place God has for you. You are going to be blessed by this scripture. The, the scripture is Ephesians chapter two, verse 12. It talks about the past and then the present. Here's the past. At that time, you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, with no hope and without God in the world. But now, that was the past, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. For he is our peace. Is that not good to see today? That peace is not circumstantial. Peace is not just the conditions of our circumstances at the time. Sometimes those do bring a peaceful emotion and a peaceful feeling. But we are positionally peace because of Christ. And that doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Jesus doesn't shift. Jesus doesn't change his mind. He is our peace. And despite our circumstances, we can rest in the peace that he has. So what is this piece he's talking about? Philippians chapter four gives us the best explanation. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is talking about a relational life with God. We're we're talking to God. We're letting God know our issues, letting God know our problems. We're in relationship with him. Look at verse seven, what happens then? And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, A more traditional translation is this, the peace that passes all understanding. That means I can sit here and talk about his peace, explain his peace, analyze his peace, but it's nothing like experiencing his peace. When you experience his peace, you just know it. And he is the source. He's the one we're counting on. He is the one we need. He is our peace. And Jesus is the peacemaker. Let me make this point clear. If Jesus is called to bring peace to the world, why wouldn't he want to bring peace to you? You know, it's easy sometimes for us to say, well, Jesus is the prince of peace and he wants to bring peace to the world, but for some reason he's overlooked me or doesn't care about me or I'm insignificant. That's not true at all. He cares about your life. He cares about the ocean of your soul. And he's the one on the Sea of Galilee who spoke one word. He said, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And that's the word Jesus has for many of you today. His presence is saying, 
peace be still to you. Speaking of the world, listen, guys, we, we are in a mess in this world. We're, we're in a mess. There's a lot of good things happening in the world, but when it comes to foreign affairs, things are really, really in a mess. And, and we really need to pray for our president, our secretary of state, our leaders. We need to pray for the men and women who are choosing to run for president. Because, I mean, what's the solution to these problems? Even I have changed my mind on different issues. I thought, well, we need to do this, and then more information has come, and said, no, we need to change our mind. I cannot imagine the pressures that the men and women who lead our country are under. I don't think any of us can understand the pressures they're under. So it's okay to have an evaluation of foreign policy, but we should do so with prayer because we don't know all that they're facing, all they're considering, all they're thinking about. And none of these issues have a clear-cut solution because the only solution to this world, in the end, we, we need to make good decisions now. Our leaders need to make good decisions. We need to operate on principles that bring the greater good to the world. But the true answer is through Jesus Christ. He truly is the answer. I, I want you to think about our world for a second. You know that we, we erroneously thought that at the end of the Cold War, it was going to usher in a period of peace. Decades of two dominant powers who were controlling the world, kind of an easy binary world, good versus evil. It was really easy to define. These countries were with the Americans. These countries were with the Soviets and things seemed easy. Things are not so easy now. Uh, civil war continues to rage in Syria with no solution, no solution, no good guys. Egypt and Libya are completely unstable. Iran is sponsoring terrorist groups in Palestine and Lebanon and other places in the world. We just kind of lost Yemen and no one's, you know, it's like third or fourth story on the news. It's a significant, a significant um, loss of, of, a, of an ally or a strategic place. Then no one even wants to talk about Africa. Africa is a mess. Somalia continues to deteriorate with no government led by bands of rebels. The Congo is a complete disarray. I don't know if you've heard of a man named Joseph Kony, but the history books will know him. We don't hear much about him today, but over roughly the last 25 years, he's enslaved 66,000 children in Uganda and Congo area. He's made them sex slaves. He's made them uh, child soldiers. The world doesn't know what to do with Joseph Kony and his Lord's Resistance Army. Remember the fun we all had, or I wouldn't say the fun, but it made us feel really significant to hashtag bring back our girls? Well, the girls haven't come back yet, and no one seems to care. It was a 48-hour uh, burst of humanitarian thought. Pakistan cannot be trusted. China cannot be trusted, yet we're dependent upon them for economic strength or military strength. Russia is imperialistic again, is gonna take over the world if they, if they had their desire. North Korea is a ticking bomb. Latin America, their progress is tenuous, it's fragile. Europe is completely losing its identity. I mean, when you start adding this stuff up, our world is a complete mess. And there's a desire among leaders to say, well, we need peace and we need more peace. And this thought of, well, as Mankind gets more educated and has better economic opportunity. Well, the world's just going to get better. 
And while I'm for education and I'm for economic progress, I know this, that cannot be our hope because that is not going to change the evil hearts of mankind. Listen, our world is longing. Our world is thirsting after peace. And we need to make correct decisions to benefit the most people. But in the end, there's only one hope for peace. And it's not a concept. And it's not an idea. And it's not a philosophy. And it's not an organization. And it's not a resolution. Our hope for peace is a person, a man, a God. His name is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace that passes all understanding. Here's my third point. Jesus wants to bring peace to humanity itself. Jesus wants to stop the wars, stop the violence, stop the impression, stop the injustice, stop the powers of the earth that are taking advantage of those who, who have no power themselves. That's the heart of Jesus. Jesus wants to bring peace to humanity. And we are people who, we proclaim the coming of the Lord. We proclaim that he's coming. And the Lord is giving us a broader definition that his coming is not just about us personally. Yes, that is true that we need his grace so that when he appears, we, we, we can be in right standing with him through Jesus. But it's more than just about us. We need him to come again because we need him to right the wrongs, to rule righteously. We need Jesus to come again so that he can show the world what a true king is like, what a true president is like, what a true general is like, what a true governor is like, what a true leader is like. We need Jesus for that reason. And that is who he is. His nature is to bring peace, not through political authority, not through the strength of an army, not through the strength of, of a political party or all of the things that we tend to trust. Jesus wants to bring his kingdom and his rule and his reign. And when the culture of Jesus gets into our society, it begins to affect everything. It affects our schools. It affects our families. The culture of Jesus affects the way we govern it affects the way we lead. The culture of Jesus affects the way we do business. The culture of Jesus uh, affects how we treat other human beings. We don't exploit them sexually. We don't exploit them financially. We don't exploit them and take advantage of them because when the culture of Jesus comes, his kingdom comes. His rule comes. That's why his kingdom is not of this world. And he wants to bring his strength and his leadership and who he is. That's who our Jesus is. Hebrews 12, 4 says it this way. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. God has called you as little Christians. That's who you are. That's how we got our name. Christians, excuse me, little Christ. That was a nickname that we received centuries ago. We are little Jesuses. We are people who bring his culture bring his kingdom, bring his thought to every situation. And because we do that, listen, you are called to be a man and woman of peace. That's what you're called to be. You're called to bring peace to every situation. Can I just tell you that the place where you work ought to be more peaceful because you're there. The class that you attend ought to have more peace because you are there. The family that you're involved in, when, when you come home from work, there ought to be more peace in your home because there's more Jesus in you and on you. For whatever reason, 
peace has not been appropriately emphasized as a characteristic of followers of Christ. We are still attracted way more to authority and to power. We're attracted way more to the strength that comes from our voice, the strength that comes from our ideas. We still, even within the church and even within Christian structures, we, we even lust after earthly power. What it feels like to be an intimidator. What it feels like to bring our presence to a situation and cause tension to come to a room. There's something within us that still desires that. But can I tell you that even though that may be some of our personality bents, that's not the characteristic of the life of God. He has called us to pursue peace, to go after peace in every situation. That's part of being a follower of Jesus. As you've lived life, you've noticed that different families and different clans begin to get personalities. And I know that as I'm trying to define culture with my daughter, with my children, occasionally I'll say something like this, hey, we don't do that. You know, Allison's, we, we don't do that. For us, Allison's, we don't skip church. Kind of helps we get paid to come to church, but that's a safe one to say. Uh, I say, Allison's, we don't skip youth camp. I'll just say that or whatever. Whatever the case is, I'm not trying to, I'm talking about our personal values. Our, we, we, we try not to be late to places because that's who we are. We're, we're the Allison's, that's who we are. We don't do that. Sometimes you have to define who you are by saying who you're not, okay? We're not this. And then it gets more positive. Family groups begin to get reputations. And, and you've seen that. You've said, listen, the Hernandez family, they are faithful. You can count on them. They're always gonna be here. Man, the Smiths, they are generous, they're, if they can give, they're going to give. You, you know, the, the, the Thompsons, and those people, they're, they're, they're people who are hospitable. I mean, they'll do anything they can to open up their home or to host you or to love you. And family groups begin to get a reputation. And as you age, you begin to see these characteristics go from generation to generation. You begin to see, I, I, I've been involved with uh, great families now where I have seen characteristics go from the great-grandparent to the grandparent to the parent to the child. And that is such a wonderful thing to see in a culture that doesn't emphasize the power of a family anymore. Family characteristics go down to person to person to person. Well, I want us to go back to the first scripture, Matthew 5, 9, to see this scripture again. The peacemakers are blessed, listen, for they will be called sons of God. You wanna be a son of God? You wanna be a daughter of God? Be a person of peace, because that's who Jesus is. Here's the fourth point is this. Fourth point says it this way, you can fill in the blanks. Jesus characterizes his sons and daughters by peace. He characterizes his sons and daughters by peace. Guys, this is a lofty goal. And I know even as I am preaching this, I mean, maybe this is part of the accuser. I'm thinking, oh man, I need more peace in this area of my life or more peace in that area of my life or more peace in that area. And these thoughts are even coming to me as I preach. So no doubt, listen, I know that you're, you're listening to the sermon and you're thinking, oh man, wow, that's not me. That's why it's supernatural, it's not natural. That's why we need to walk in the spirit. That's why we need the truth of God's word and we need to be people of the spirit, people of the things of God, people of the Holy Spirit, people who are manifesting the fruits of God's Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit, you get more of the fruit of the spirit. 
More of the Holy Spirit, you get more peace. And so this is not a message to make us regret where we have been as much as it is to show us the pathway that God has for us now. And, and guys, I'm telling you, the power of peace. Be a peacemaker. Solve problems. Help people get along. Bite your tongue. This is the one that, that all of us need to hear. Bite your tongue when what you say is not gonna promote peace. Okay, when, when, when something you're gonna say is going to cause dissension among parties, prefer to be quiet and to hold that comment in and you're a peacemaker. Pursue things that promote peace, civility. Do you know one of the greatest signs, I believe, of a Christ-like spirit is the way we treat people we don't agree with. And in this polarized nation, this polarized nation that we live in, I wanna challenge you to stand for truth, to stand up for what the word says, but to do so in a winsome, Christ-like, peaceful attitude. Stand up for truth, but don't get mad about it. Stand up for truth, but don't be a jerk. Stand up for truth, but listen to the opinions of people you don't agree with. Because listening is a sign of great respect. And listening is a Christ-like quality. And we have a challenge like never before to be engaged in, in an arena where conflicting ideas are going to collide and when conflicting ideas collide, what we need is the fruit of the Holy Spirit controlling our life. The Holy Spirit is controlling my tongue. The Holy Spirit's controlling my mind. He's controlling even the way I hear things. And listen, by the Spirit, when you're gonna begin to hear people who are full of rage or anger, the Spirit's gonna help you not hear the content of their words, but the Spirit's gonna help you hear the poverty of their hearts. And it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. When we live in a society, and it's a society that I live in, I'm part of the society, so I'm not saying them, us, we're, we're a, a very ignorant people. We don't know the ways of God. The church doesn't know the ways of God. The church has little tolerance for the things of God. And we have a chance to see things we've never seen before in our day. We are on the edge of a new distinction. I'm gonna tell you this. We're in, a, we're in the, the days are coming. We are now in the days where there's gonna be a great divide between those who are in God's side and those who are not. And this is not something we have to create. We used to try to create the division. Now the creation is there. The creation's there. And that gives us great opportunity to be people of the spirit and people of life and people who love the Lord. Amen? We got a lot to think about today, don't we? Let's stand together. I want to ask that Mike and Nitha and Jordan join me on stage. I don't like to use the phrase stage. I need to come up with a better name. Join me on the elevated cement with carpet on it. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. I want to be a son, don't you? I want to be a daughter, whatever your gender is. We want to be sons. We want to be daughters. We are children of God. We sang that earlier today, but that also means we're people of peace. And I just want to pray that the Lord will begin to stir in you the desire for peace right now. Let us not long for conflict. Maybe the reason over the years this theme has come up 
several times. I'm speaking out of a, a weakness of mine, maybe a former weakness. And maybe I just need to be a little more clear of why this comes up a lot. Because it's more about me. Because my natural inclination is to fight. My natural inclination is to argue. My natural inclination is to try to show people up intellectually. Or my natural inclination is to give my opinion. And when I'm not walking in the spirit, I can easily go back to that. But I say this by God's grace. I feel like through the Holy Spirit forming me through my devotions and forming me through the gospels, really, and through in Jesus, that the Lord has helped me choose a better way. And every year I'm choosing more the place of peace. And I found that there is strength and anointing in peace. There is strength and anointing in the unity. There is strength and anointing. And it takes a powerful, I say this not to my glory, but I say this to give you a vision for your life. It takes a powerful man or a powerful woman to pursue peace over conflict. And that's why, that's why the rare examples we have in culture, we revere a man of peace. We revere a woman of peace because they're so rare. And the Lord wants us to know from this teaching today, and he wants us to know from Jesus that we need to change the standard in our life. God says as you begin to change the target, then you'll begin to change your behavior. Who does God want you to be? And I'm going to tell you this, if you've been adopted, you're already a son, you're already a daughter. And the scripture said today that those, those who are peacemakers will be called sons and daughters of God. God's already called you a son. God's already called you a daughter. So walk in the way that God has already chosen you for. He has called you to peace. And so now we have to walk in the peace that he has for us. So we want to be those peacemakers. There is areas of disruption in your life. The Lord wants to speak peace to those areas of disruption. Those areas of disruption where there's peace. And the Lord wants you to do what's necessary to resolve a conflict, to rebuild a relationship. And I just want to be very pointed about this right now. There are broken relationships among Christians. They're probably not Christians in this room, but there's Christians in your life, other Christians that you have a broken relationship with, with. And God says, take action this week. Take action this week. Take it, you do what you're supposed to do. Send a note, change your heart. Uh, simply offer kindness. The strength of that, the strength of that, it's gonna be the doorway to an anointing in your life. It's a doorway to a breakthrough in your life. It's a doorway to that in your life. You're gonna begin to see there's many, many principles that brings God's prosperity and strength. So this isn't the only one, but it's a key one that when you begin to seek pathways of peace in your life, things are gonna start getting easier for you. And, and what happens is this, when you choose peace, you feel like you're losing control. You're losing control of the situation, but you're really not. You're not losing control. You're giving God control. And he's gonna begin to open pathways of peace, uh, the places you work, in your very home itself, in your future hope. Some of us have looked into the future and it's very cloudy, it's very dark, it's very gray. We feel very hopeless and we just have strife just hanging over our future because there is no pathway of reconciliation. Our hearts are not even open for what God wants to do. And God says, you're a son, you're a daughter. Open your heart to the peace of God. Listen, if we just give God one space, he's gonna come. He's gonna fill that place. Fill that place with the peace that he has. Amen, isn't God good? Isn't God good? God, I've prayed for my friends. I've prayed for them today. And so now we respond to you and to the greatness of who you are. We love you so much. 
We love you so much. Well, the table of the Lord is open for you today. And we're going to have a chance. If you want to take communion, you're not obligated to do that. But some of us are going to want to take communion. And, and just in a couple minutes, we'll celebrate with those. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.